Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Mark Young. Mark is the Vice President of Marketing at Dooley. In this episode, we talk about marketing loops, why SaaS companies need to be their own media arms, and what product-led sales actually means. In just a few moments, you'll hear Mark talk about best practices on channels like LinkedIn and how Dooley leverages elements of their podcasts across their own channels. Sharing audio to social media is hard. For the most part, consumers listen to podcasts and podcast directories like Apple and Spotify. But you want to leverage your social following as listeners, and so most podcasters will promote a podcast link on their social feeds. Mark notes that LinkedIn's algorithm doesn't like linking out because it takes people away from the platform, and the reach of the post is hurt as a result of that. But let's talk about what's happening right now. Facebook is heavily investing in audio. Facebook wants to be a place where you listen to that content that you're discovering in the feed. No more linking out and leaving the platform. Time spent on platform is a key metric for Facebook, and a 30-minute podcast that's listened to on Facebook does wonders for that metric. Now, there are a lot of implications here for podcasters, and I won't go into that right now, but I bring up Facebook because LinkedIn isn't far behind. In 2023, LinkedIn will be a listening hub for your business podcast, and you'll be able to promote those podcasts just like you promote a post in the feed today. LinkedIn is going to make listening on the platform a more natural experience. Mark and the team at Dooley take the long-form podcast content and chop it up into snackable pieces that can be shared on social. But social is becoming a podcast directory. The trick for smart content creators and marketers will be to understand the listening behaviors by channel and to version the content accordingly. What works on Apple and Spotify might not work the same as on LinkedIn and vice versa. The next frontier of audio is as an owned content strategy that lives on your own channels. What are the outcomes that you want this content to drive? And does that change depending on the listening destination? To me, this is the key question for content creators over the next year and a half. Do you have questions about how audio might play a role in how, but also where you tell your story? Email me at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y dot C-O. And now, the fascinating Mark Young. Hi, Mark. Hey, Brian. Great to be here. How are you? Mark Young builds B2B SaaS brands that win. Mark is the VP of Marketing at Dooley, where he has helped create a leading brand and new category in the revenue space from early days as employee number seven through hypergrowth. You've raised over $100 million in capital. Mark believes that the foundation is based on creating a new strategic narrative people want to rally behind. Then you amplify that voice through personal brands across the org, adding community, partnerships, media, and distribution arms to act as force multipliers. This is where the magic happens, and this is what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes here. Mark, thanks so much for being with me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here, Brian. I'm looking forward to diving in. For sure. So for those that aren't familiar, what is Dooley? There's more and more CRM automation out there. How is this product differentiated? Yeah, so most of what's in the market has been these point solutions that don't speak to each other. And Chris, our founder, early days noted that when he was closing a deal, heading up sales at a company here in Vancouver called Vision Critical, taking them from zero to 100 million, they would close the NFL. And he'd be walking down the hallway and no one would stop him and say, hey, Chris, you know, great job in closing the NFL, but there are no notes in Salesforce. So long story short, he had this vision with our co-founder, Justin, to build what's called a connected workspace for revenue teams. So we bring notes, 
pipeline, task, calendar, everything into one place so that rather than living in a hundred different tabs, revenue teams can live in one place. So you're not taking notes in Evernote and copy and pasting those, you know, 20 minutes after your call, you live in one spot and the whole team win more together. And really it just tames some of the chaos and the, uh, the discord, which is why we've had such rapid growth and adoption from, you know, Cloud 100, from Asana to Intercom, Procore, Figma. And it's really creating a new space, which has been exciting for me as a marketer to get to uh, build up a new strategic narrative and define, I think Robo's gonna define like a new era of revenue, but more on that later. Consumer brands have been investing in, in content for a long time. And they've been something of their own media companies. What is new, though, is that SaaS companies are becoming their own media arms. So at a high level, how do you think about the time that we're in right now? And why is it the right time for SaaS companies to be their own media entities? And specifically, what does that mean at a company like Dooley? Yeah, so diving into the why first, it's really based on what's happened in the last year and a half, right? So you look at the pandemic and what happened through COVID. There's been this massive psychological shift in terms of, everyone took what was in person and brought it into a virtual format. Everyone here listening understands that they were probably hit up with X thousand webinar events and virtual events. And it led to this really saturated experience for buyers, right? Where everyone is literally running the same playbook and you need to find a way to differentiate and win the hearts and minds of your audience. So this has been something that consumer companies and B2C have been doing for years because it's the best path to build a competitive advantage. And it makes you be able to create a moat such that even if a competitor copies your product, they can't copy how you made your audience feel. So, you know, with the Zoom fatigue and everyone kind of doubling down, smart brands have realized that they need to create their own media companies embedded within their organizations. A great example is HubSpot's recent acquisition of The Hustle back in February 2021. So for those not familiar, The Hustle is extremely popular newsletter and kind of like the SaaS space, leans sarcastic, fun, and HubSpot purchased it as a way to ensure that their brand shows up you know, at 7 a.m. in the inbox of the tech space. It's not about getting their product out in front, but you couple that with the fact that customer acquisition costs for paid on Facebook and Instagram and most channels have started to skyrocket. You just can't buy engagement in the current era. So building a media arm is making it so that, again, to that force multiplier, your audience love you because you exist in ways to provide value. You're not always trying to sell it to them, but you exist on their Instagram feed at 9 p.m. while they're listening to a podcast at night in the middle of the afternoon seeing an ad on YouTube. That's the smart play. And I really see that the best SaaS companies are not only going to do that, but are going to start becoming lifestyle brands. Let's talk about that for a little bit, right? What type of content are you creating at Dooley? Because this sort of gated white paper that's promoted on LinkedIn is sort of just what everyone is doing, right? It is the playbook. You're creating memes on Instagram. Can you point to other examples of non-traditional content creation and distribution strategies that you guys are, are building towards? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, at Dooley, we've really run what feels like the wild, wild west, everything from custom artwork to NFTs, music videos. We host a hot sauce sales show with some of the top C-level execs in SaaS. And I can give you a little bit more context around the, the Instagram meme. So early days when I joined Dooley, um, we're a product-led organization, meaning that we have a freemium product, you know, account executives, customer success, anyone in the revenue space can come in and use Dooley. 
take notes, update your pipeline, you know, make Salesforce easier. And we needed to find a way where we could reach hundreds of thousands, if not millions of end users, right? Like an account executive. And how could we do so in a way that would appeal to the social and emotional pain points that they had? As in, it's 4.59 on Friday, and I'm going to get a text from a manager saying, hey, you need to update Salesforce. And there are, you know, a leg out the door and they get this like pipeline panic. So I started looking at some of the interesting niches that we could tap into and noticed that sales was a stressful job. There was a large ecosystem of sales humor, but no B2B brands were tapping into that as a way to create a media arm. So early days, cold outreach, you know, all the players in the space generated a few partnerships. Fast forward to today, and we're doing close to 30 to 35 million impressions and you know, 10x web traffic and have done all these things from creating memes on Instagram and LinkedIn that link back to funny things that an account executive can relate to. I think the very first meme we created was a scene from Indiana Jones and it had someone sitting at a computer and it says, just going to update Salesforce real quick. And the next scene was a skeleton and it says finished. And that one drove probably over 10,000 people to the website. We did almost a quarter million impressions in one night and we generated a number of net new opportunities from it. And that was kind of the early proof of why we started investing in this media arm strategy to, again, be in our audience's Instagram feed at nine o'clock at night, even if it's on mobile, because you hear about it the next day of, oh, hey, that content was amazing. I love it. We, we just had this demo today and you know we love your content. Win the hearts and the minds of where your audience are and do it on their term. Just to dive in a little bit deeper here and to clarify, are you doing paid influencer strategies with sales memes or are you creating them and they are living on your own channels? Yes, we do both actually. What we do is we actually create content on our own channels to test them to see what gets the best traction. We use that then as a baseline to inform what we use as part of our distribution partners. And then we have essentially like a backlog where we try to have a variety of content to not have diminishing returns across a few of the key topics that we use. And it's been one of the, I guess, most fun you know, parts of my job. You know, When you hear back from your CEO who says, hey, we just one call closed the deal from a meme on Instagram. And this is going to be an enterprise account with great expansion. I never would have thought my PL, like my profit and loss, would have had a line item that had meme acquisition in it, which I have pseudo trademarked meme acquisition. So there you go. We're going to print up some t shirts, uh, meme acquisition. So let's do a little rapid fire. You're doing memes on Instagram, right? Video, there's a hot sauce. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Where does that content live? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, early days, uh, Chris, our founder, huge fan of the Hot One show on YouTube. And he'd always wanted to create uh, an executive format of Hot Ones for sales. And early on, we said, hey, uh, this was when we were still fundraising, you know, a person company still seed funded and just started cold outbounding the revenue folks in our space that could help us reach a larger audience. And we spun up what we called Fire Talks. So we kicked off a pilot with a few influential sales leaders and fast forward to about three months later, we had CEOs and CMOs from the top companies in the revenue space. We had about 200 companies lined up to participate. And we did about a million impressions on LinkedIn Live through one of our streaming partners. And it became kind of this hit sensation. So fast forward to today now, we have our own signature line of dually hot sauces. They're all revenue themed. So for example, we have a ghost pepper hot sauce 
that says never get ghosted when you're sending cold emails. And uh, we were fortunate enough to have the chain smokers actually come in and invest as part of our series A and our continued rounds. So we even have a dually chain smokers signature hot sauce. And we've kind of taken this in a really fun direction that we now get to have a lot of fun with our customers. We get to use it for prospecting and it's just been a really great way to, I would say create memories that last a lifetime when you have, you know, six of the world's hottest hot sauces with a CRO at a company you're selling to makes it really easy to text someone and, uh, you know, help to accelerate deal velocity. You just mentioned LinkedIn live. Is there a staple on LinkedIn that is proving to be successful for you? I would say right now, you really just need to lead into the algorithm. So two quick tactical learnings for y'all is that shared video, as in if your company produces a video and you have multiple people on your team distribute that video, LinkedIn's algorithm actually flags that and will downrank the organic traction and visibility of that video. So what we typically do is if we produce one video, we'll create a few different GIFs of it and we'll link back to a primary source being like, hey, watch the full video on our company page to get people to link traffic back. Second hack is if you're dropping links on LinkedIn because they don't want people exiting the platform, they're going to significantly downrank the visibility of those posts. A great way to combat that is through polls. So LinkedIn are really pushing polls right now. You know, my last poll had a thousand votes and over 50,000 impressions. And I mean, before I've had ones that cracked half a million. So quick tip is if you're creating a question or if you need to promote something with a link, do that in your first two sentences and have a very short focused poll that relates back to that topic. It will, if not a hundred, up to a thousand or 5,000 X year reach without some of the diminishing returns we've seen on LinkedIn from just link sharing alone. So those are kind of the quick tips that we usually do. Podcasts, audio. Huge fan of podcast audio. We turn those into, we actually just posted one yesterday. We do, uh, we use a tool called Descript which allows us to edit that audio via text and turn that into really quick GIFs or videos that are looped. And then we have usually one thing that I do see a lot of brands make a mistake is they do horizontal width. So like 1920 by 1080. Problem with that is your creative doesn't take up the entire feed. So I would always say no matter what you're doing, if it's podcast clips, turn it into 1080 by 1080. So it takes up the entire vertical width on a mobile feed. That way someone's more likely to click and engage, but we love that stuff. We use it for customer stories we probably take every podcast episode, including this one, and we'll chop it up into about 17 different pieces of unique content. And then we build that out as part of not only our social strategy, but our inbound strategy that lives on the website as well. And this concludes our rapid fire session. <laughs> I know what product-led growth means. You mentioned, you touched on this just a couple minutes ago, and I know what it looks like to manage a sales force, but what is product-led sales? Yeah, so it, it sounds really complicated, but it's not, right? So for those that aren't as familiar with the product of Motion, think of a platform like Slack, right? It's a freemium tool. Anyone can use it. And generally, the better freemium products have some type of network effect, meaning that there is going to be more value the more people using the platform. So product-led sales, and I guess to, to backtrack a little bit, um, if you're not familiar with the product-led space, definitely check out OpenView. They're one of the leading sources who've been... I would say pioneering the definitions around what they've called the product-led era, as in users want to try the tools before buying. It's no longer a situation where you go to a website and contact for pricing, can't see the tool, can't see a demo. So where product-led sales really came in is as these companies started to realize that there's a need and a desire for users to try before they buy, 
a motion started happening and we'll look at Slack because it's an easy, easy example that most folks will know, right? Slack had a free motion. You would sign up, you would invite your team, you'd start using Slack. And at a certain point, sales would start getting involved, right? You have 20 or 30 people in your workspace and that's exactly what we do at Dooley, right? So we're a freemium product. Anyone can come and use Dooley for free. You can check it out, dooley.ai, sign up for free. And usually for us, we start bottom up meaning we start targeting account executives, customer success, and really anyone in the sales space who's an individual contributor that's taking notes and needs to update their pipeline, right? And what happens for us is we have something called um, product qualified leads. So if someone comes into our product and does certain things in the product, for example, syncs some notes to Salesforce, makes a few updates, we consider them a product qualified lead. If we have five product qualified leads from one company, we consider that a product qualified opportunity, which is what our threshold is for when our sales motion starts to happen, right? So we can have as many account executives using a platform as we want, but there's always gonna be a decision maker, a gatekeeper and a buyer. So that's where our sales team comes in, where they then start to say to the account executive team lead or the VP of sales or the director of RevOps, hey, there's 34 people using Dooley within your organization. Let's get you all on a pilot across you know, the entire revenue team. Let's scope out what that looks like. And then they're starting to run more of a formal top-down sales motion. But it starts with this groundswell of users being in the product first, who you embed as core champions. So coming back, product-led sales is really just an evolution on this product-led motion. And depending on the type of business or the degree to which your product is or isn't freemium, there's a whole variety of ways that it can shape out. But picture product-led motion plus sales combined into this fully integrated go-to-market playbook. I'm gonna get you out on this question. Can you define marketing loops? and how that concept plays off of a product-led sales motion. Yeah, for sure. So first want to do a great shout out to Brian Balfour and the team over at Reforge because one of the early growth marketers, again, early HubSpot, who created a lot of the literature with Andrew Chen around the concept of loops. So I'll unpack this a little bit first about what loops are. So I'm a big believer in loops, not funnels, because loops create a virtuous cycle that help you continue to scale. Whereas, you know, funnels or linear efforts require significant investment over and over in that space to get traction. So essentially think of linear channels as the things that provide the principle that interest feeds off, which then drive compounding growth. But a loop in and of itself is pretty straightforward. So imagine a content loop. You're creating content. That content is getting indexed on Google. People search for that content, they come to your website, they book a demo, you know, X percentage convert, that's new revenue, you use that new revenue to create content, right? Very, very basic, simplified content loop. How marketing loops play off product-led sales is, and again, highly recommend checking out Reforge and Brian Balfour, he'll dive super, super deep here, but you always generally wanna have mixed models. So for example, at Dooley, we have what's called a viral incentivized loop that's mixed with a sales loop aligned to our product qualified motion, um, what we just talked about before. And what that means is that we have users that come in, find the product, right? Start using for free. And then whoever gets to value quickly and immediately starts loving us, we do um, net promoter score. So we capture MPS to see who our champions are. And then we incentivize them to post about Dooley on social, to invite their team. And we have a natural incentivized viral loop that then, again, Account executive finds Dooley, posts on LinkedIn about how amazing Dooley is, 
25 people from his network sign up to start using Dooley, right? That's where then our sales loop kicks in, where we start to have more of those product qualified opportunities. And you start to create these very easy scalable loops where again, you need to have a linear foundation and activities to get initial traction. But then it's very easy for me to say, hey, for every viral loop, I'm anticipating this many new signups, this much new revenue, and we can expect sales to close X percentage. Therefore, we should hire three new AEs, two new SDRs. And it basically becomes a game of going back to our board and saying, hey, at this customer acquisition cost, give us unlimited money, right? That is the end goal with loops of trying to figure out a way. And uh, Casey Winner at Pinterest would highly recommend checking him out. He was one of the like early SaaS godfathers who started to look at habit loops and how these different types of mixed models come together and really, really fascinating stuff. I know we don't have a ton of time to go deep and we're going to round it up quickly here, Brian. So we'll wrap it there. Um, we'll say, if you want to learn more about it, feel free to shoot me a connect, uh, Mark Young on LinkedIn. And definitely if you want to learn more about the Dewey motion, um, send me a DM and have it unpack it. That was as good a closing as I could have done for my, you know, for you. So, Mark, thanks for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast, Brian, and uh, looking forward to see how it turns out. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. What do you mean? I'm going to edit it. It's going to be great. It's going to be good.